Welcome to the Health Coach Nation podcast. My name is Haley Rowe, and I'm a sales and marketing coach and LinkedIn lead generation service provider. I work with health, life, and mindset coaches and online service-based business owners to help them get more sales, shift their time to the client generating activities instead of just the busy work, and overcome that social media overwhelm. Let's get into the show. Are you finding that you're consuming a lot of business and marketing trainings and podcasts only to find that you just don't have enough time to implement it? If so, I want to invite you to my upcoming free live Q&A and class where I'm going to be breaking down the top five mistakes that are blocking your sales, how to remove those distractions and be able to attract more clients, working smarter with some actionable steps. I'm not going to be putting a lot of fluff in this. I'm going to be actually helping you take action to improve your sales this year, even in our changing economy, and do it with confidence in your sales, in your offer. And if you're not sure about your niche or other things like that, bring your questions. It's going to be on February 20th on Tuesday at 5 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Eastern, and 3 p.m. Pacific. Can't wait to see you there. You can sign up and save your spot at HaleyRow.com slash five steps, all one word. And when you sign up and come live, you're going to be able to get my weekly business planning template that I normally use with clients to help them flesh out their weekly plan. And if you book um, a call with me within a specific time frame, you're going to get a little bit of a client attraction audit. So you'll see that on the thank you page when you sign up. But go to HaleyRow.com slash five steps and I'll talk to you soon. Hey everyone, today I am here with Sandra Scheinbaum and I'm so excited to talk with her because she is a pioneer in the wellness field. She really does have an amazing gold standard coaching certification school and it's called the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy, FMCA. You may have heard of it. And Sandra, how the heck did you get into that? We're going to talk today about what does it take to succeed in this field and all these other good things, but let's just start with how did this come about for you? Yeah, well, uh, where I started is not where I ended up. So way, way back, because I'm old, so back in the 60s, I was going to be a teacher, like so many women my generation. You know, it's good. You can always fall back on teaching. And I uh, was. I was in special education for many years. I taught people how to become special ed teachers. And I was always interested in things like stress management. Early on, in the early 70s, was doing workshops about stress management for teachers, for kids, for parents. That led to a an interest in uh, perhaps going further, becoming a health psychologist. So I got my doctorate and spent many, many years um, as a health psychologist. And I was doing things like positive psychology, focusing on the change process as opposed to spending years and years in therapy talking about all the things that were wrong with your family, for example. And I was always interested in what's right with people, not what's wrong with them. And I was also always interested in nutrition, in movement and exercise. I was interested personally, but also seeing that when people change what they eat, they're mood would change. So this was years before health coaching was a thing. And I studied functional medicine. I was actually the first psychologist, maybe still the only, maybe there's one more now, to get certified 
as a functional medicine practitioner. So when I was turning 65, having been in this career for a long, long time, I decided that there was a gap. There were health coaching programs that existed, but people were coming to me and saying, you know, I, I want more. I want to train in this functional medicine approach. So uh, I approached the Institute for Functional Medicine, and we chose to partner with them, and we started the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy. So I was 65 at a time when my friends were retiring, and I felt like I had a big mission at the time, and that is to train thousands of health coaches because they're so critically needed. And so uh, that's what we did. We launched FMCA, and now we have close to 5,000 graduates, and that is what, uh, when I wake up, I just think of all the people who are practicing in this way. They have started businesses as coaches. They're working for doctors. They're all around the world, and, uh, and they're of all ages. And so my personal message is that you can have health coaching as a second act. And long ago, the advice that my mom gave, like teaching, it's something you can fall back on. Well, what you can really fall back on is a career in health coaching because you can do it from anywhere and you are really changing lives. Wow, what a story. That's so cool. I didn't realize you started it at 65 and that you were on such a mission. So what was that like? How did you... um, because I think a lot of people watching this are going into their second act act of life, or maybe they're empty nesters, or they want to, you know, they've had an interest in health and wellness, but they say to themselves, oh, I could never do that because blank, or I'm too old, or I don't have enough, I'm not whatever enough. So how did you um, navigate, and I'm sure, you know, maybe this wasn't even an issue for you, but like, limiting beliefs maybe that came up, like, could I really start this health coaching school? Tell us about how you navigated those thoughts. Oh, yeah. It's it's so easy to give into those limiting beliefs. So I had a small office, a small windowless office, the northern suburb of Chicago, and a private practice, uh, seeing uh, people who had anxiety, depression, and physical conditions. I was helping them with biofeedback. So that's what I knew. I knew how to run a private practice, how to get referrals, for example, from doctors. But I knew nothing about running a company. I knew nothing about starting a business. I didn't even know what a P&L was, a profit and loss statement. I had to be educated. And so there are some things that I knew right off the bat. And uh, my friend Ben Hardy, Dan Sullivan, they talk about who, not how. They have a book that by that name. And that is rather than trying to figure it out yourself, like you have people who are smarter than you in these areas and they can do it for you. So I'm not going to do my own accounting. I'm not going to build my own website. And yet so many coaches feel like they have to do it all themselves that as opposed to looking at who can help me, who can guide me uh, in these areas so that I can then launch my career. And the other thing that I focused on was that not being afraid of failure. And so I had this sense, I would think to myself, okay, what if this doesn't work out? What if nobody wants to come and study at our school? What if um, we fail? Uh, Well, I can go back to being a psychologist. 
I have, you know, the, I can always do that. Or even if that were to fail, there's something else, you know, I can do. I, there's many hobbies that I love, for example. And I, so I would think back to the past where I had experiences and I certainly had many that didn't work out. I one time ran a big, big group practice in with, I had psychiatrists as my partners and it didn't work out so well. So I thought, well, I overcame that and was able to shift and move on. And now what I'm doing is even better. And so now I'm thankful for those failures because if I hadn't failed, then I wouldn't be starting FMCA. So I always thought about the fact that I could say, so what, I'm going to try this. I'm going to take that leap. And uh, we, we fail our way to success. Yes. I love that growth mindset. And I think a big question you just shared that our audience can ask themselves is so what? So like example, let's say worst case scenario happens. Chances are you're still going to have more skills, more opportunities, and you just become a more multifaceted person at the end of the day. Yes, you may fail. Yes, you may not have the skills yet you need to be able to do the things you want to do. But how you develop those is as you say, failing your way forward. So tell me a little bit about what were some of the maybe um, things that, you know, when we're talking about failures, um, you've trained a lot of coaches and wellness professionals, and they may or may not go out there and, and get a job in coaching or start their own businesses. What are some common um, things you see among the ones who really make it, make this their career, make the most out of it? Is there any common um, things that you see among those students? Absolutely. First and foremost, and I think this is common amongst everyone who wants to become a health coach, you have a big mission. You have a calling to really serve others, to help people. And this is something that it, when you start with this mission, then right off the bat, you're on your way to success. As opposed to, you might see an ad, oh, you could make, um, you know, $200,000 a year as a health coach and take this 16-week course and you'll be certified and you'll be out making money in your pajamas. Um, and so if you buy into that and you're focused on, oh, yeah, I'm doing this because of the money, because of the whatever other reason it might be, then people sense that. And so you are not genuine, but when you are genuine, when you are mission driven, and we can look at other you know, companies are mission driven who are much more successful. So that's first and foremost mission. The second is we all have creativity. How are you going to use that to look at how you're going to put your own stamp on what you do? It's not cookie cutter, copying somebody else. The other that's very, very important is to start before you're ready. I have office hours that I, I've been doing since we started FMCA. And what I often hear, students and graduates who are in our alumni program uh, can come in and they can talk with me. And what they say is, you know, I've, I've been, it's been three months, so it's been a year since I graduated. I haven't gotten started. I, cause I, they, they get stuck on things like they have to have a website. They have to have all the forms complete, or they think they have to keep taking more programs and more classes because they're feeling like they don't know enough or they have to have all the pieces in place. And what I always say is just start, start with one, start with one client 
and get your feet wet. Uh, same thing, they might want to lead groups. And they are stuck, like, I don't know how to do this. And I always encourage them, yes, you do. You've led groups before. You, you just don't realize. Every time you, you may be with a small group of friends and you contribute something to the conversation or you ask them a question. Well, you're leading a group. And so think about the experiences you have had that will be beneficial in your work. The same is true with approaching doctors or companies to want to hire. It's, there's a saying that the more open you are to a no, the more likely you're going to get a yes. So you anticipate, yeah, you're going to get a lot of no's. So what? It's that maybe you've tried 50 times with 50 doctors, but that 51st one is going to be your best referral source. And that is going to be the key to thriving as a coach. But realize that you're going to have to perhaps go through a lot of people who will say no to you, but maybe it's no now and not forever. Maybe it's right now they're saying no, but you can come back in a year or so or six months and they'll say yes. Yeah, absolutely. And you bring up a really good point because I think a lot of it at the beginning of your business is planting seeds that maybe you don't see sprout yet. And I personally um, have been in the business world long enough to know like, I, I don't, I never feel like, oh no, I did that thing and it didn't work out or whatever, because I just see the whole picture and I've been here long enough to know, like it all does add up. It all does work out. It all does take time, but I feel for the coaches who haven't reached that point yet in their business where they can see that big picture and they just think they're planting these seeds that aren't going anywhere. Um, and so I think a really important thing to stay attached to and remember is what you're saying, your why, why you're doing this and are you committed for the long haul, you know, regardless of what it may take or how many no's you may get. And one question I would also ask is because health coaching is becoming more and more common, I think, and I would love to hear like, what are maybe some shifts you've seen in the industry, some exciting things about this field, um, anything you want to share about just shifts you've seen personally going through what you've gone through with your school? Yes, well, it is from the time we've started FMCA. Our first beta class was in 2015, the fall. What I have seen is the growing respectability of health and wellness coaching. It is on the map. It is legitimate. It is a healthcare profession. It is not a hobby. It is something that is going to be even more uh, uh, accepted. And why am I saying that? One is because we have the National Board for Health and Wellness Coaching, and more and more coaches are becoming board certified. And the board is working diligently to get uh, the reimbursement. And there was a major movement uh, starting January 2024 with CMS, which is controls Medicare, where they are saying on a transitional basis, health coaching will be a service, a telehealth service. Now, this is no key. You're not going to get reimbursed. For a while, this is still category three, which are the transitional codes. How the fact that CMS thinks about health coaching is a huge, huge win. So there are a number of ways that coaches who are working with practices can, where that practice can be reimbursed for health and wellness coaching. That's a big win. We're also an explosion of research 
around the globe. At FMCA, we have our own clinical trial we just did with our partner, the Institute for Functional Medicine, and that uh, randomized controlled trial. And so you can expect to see that in publication uh, coming soon. We don't know exactly when, but um, so we're seeing more and more robust studies showing the effectiveness health coaching. And so we can look at like the data from like the national board, more and more people are coming, more doctors are saying, I need a health coach. And as well as corporate, we're seeing um, an explosion of interest for workforce wellness. And we see this for our, our job board, more and more doctors and companies uh, coming to look for health coaches. Amazing. So when you say that some of your students partner with doctors, um, any tips for someone who's like, wow, that sounds super cool. I would love to have more referral partnerships. I would love to team up with XYZ types of people. Um, any tips for them in going about that process? Yes. So any connection that you find. So rather than just cold calling doctor's offices, who do you know? Let me share a personal story. Uh, this was when um, my daughters were in grade school and we had a carpool drive to school. And uh, one of the parents that I drove with, well, uh, the spouse was a pediatrician and got to know them. We became friends. And it turns out that he had a, his partner in that pediatric practice was a specialist in ADD basically medicating kids. But okay, I at the time was specializing. I was seeing a lot of kids with ADD doing diagnostic testing. So we all went out socially and we made a connection and he was so excited. He sent me literally hundreds of kids to be tested. He became very interested. I was doing a controlled study of neurofeedback for ADD. Uh, and so that was one source. Another doctor that I knew in the area, he was working, he was a migraine headache specialist. I was doing biofeedback. And so that I arranged to, you know, how drug companies, drug reps will bring in breakfast and lunch. And not so much anymore. They have firmer, they've tightened that up. This was back in, in the 80s, early 90s. But how can you bring something? How can you get to know? And, and perhaps who do you, what do you have in common? So think of your entire network and cast a big net. If you have children in the school system, if you have hobbies, if you go to the gym, are you playing pickleball? Who is the, what interests do they have? And they will connect with you. So it's often the first connection is over the what you do, but who you are and the connection. They're in a friend of a friend. That friend arranges an introduction. Maybe you know somebody who works at a company and they connect you to HR. It's always that personal connection that is the most uh, impactful where people will pay attention. Yes. Amazing tip. A warm intro goes a long way. Building a connection and understanding just, you know, what you guys have in common is really important. And for anybody listening who wants kind of like an example of what might 
you um, do for a pitch. I have a free pitch template, partnership pitch template. And obviously that would be better if you already knew the person and naturally it came up when you're together, but you can use it for ideas. HaleyRow.com slash pitch. Now tell me a little bit about um, when you, one thing I hear a lot is when I meet health coaches who are either international or in general, they say, I, I feel like my audience doesn't understand what health coaching is. And I don't know how to educate people. And it's not very popular in my country, for example. Um, so any tips on how do you better educate people about it? How do you get the word out and explain health coaching? Yeah, I think the best way people connect to stories. So instead of people, um, and I see this all the time. I saw this in psychology health coaching. You think about your methodologies. Oh, I use positive psychology. I'm a, I help people with, with nutrition. With, they go into what they do. But tell a story of somebody you worked with. Let me tell you about Haley. Uh, she was struggling with, um, you know, she was struggling with a stubborn weight gain. She had trouble um, staying uh, energized throughout the day. She was stressed and she uh, saw me as, and we worked together and she chose to um, blah, blah, blah. You know, she chose to change, to um, make some changes, which were very difficult. And that's, you know, I helped her change the stuff that was hard. Um, and then do you know anybody like that? And they'll say, oh, yeah, that's you talking about my my daughter. That sounds like me. That sounds like my husband. Um, so Chris Smith talks about this, about how you describe what you do, as opposed to I'm a board certified health and wellness coach. Say, you know, here's an example of somebody I helped. I usually, you know, I, I and then you tailor it to that person you're talking with. I help people with blah, blah, blah. And they do you know anybody like that. I love that. That is such a good point. We we tend to um, emotionally grasp things better when there's a story involved or an example. And um, I'm curious, this is kind of a different question, but and it could be about anything either related to health or your business. Um, what is something that you have changed your view on over the last, let's say, five years or so? Sure. So uh, I think that it is becoming, as you get, I'm turning 74, and it's uh, looking at having seen so many trends, particularly with food, and going to, to balance, because I was always someone who went to the extremes. If you were to go in my kitchen, you'd see the history of eating. Here's the, here's the macrobiotic phase, the fat-free, the raw vegan phase. Um, and so rather than going with what is trending, I really look at um, what is personalized, what is right for me. And in particular, this is particularly important, and we teach our health coaches this, and that is you do not bring your own agenda into those sessions with clients. So if somebody... is a raw vegan and you're carnivore and carnivore is great for you. Well, how can you really respect that person where they're at at that particular time? And so in order to do that, you 
really need to do the work yourself in focusing on seeing um, the, that there is balance. So I used to be very rigid and people would say, we don't want to go out with you to go to a restaurant because it's, oh, I can't eat that. I can't eat that. I can't eat that. Or, um, and, and so I've really loosened up. And my younger daughter said this um, uh, to me the other day. She said, you know, mom, uh, we that was uh, they had come over and we ordered Chinese food. And she said, you know, like we used to be so afraid of and she's, a, you know, adult has um, has kids of her own now. And she said, like, it was so nice that you just ordered off the menu <laughs> that you didn't. You know, we used to be walking on eggshells. Um, with your food choices. And so that's something I uh, have really changed over the years, uh, particularly in the last few years, and uh, bring that in because I teach a lot of the psychology of eating components uh, to our program, which I think are crucial. You can't do nutrition counseling or you can't learn about food or nutrition without focusing on the psychosocial aspects. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're stressing overstressing about what you're eating and every bite and every move, that's also stressful. Totally. <laughs> so, it's yeah. really than if you just ate the darn thing. Right. So um, on that topic of good habits and balance, um, any tips for how you personally have really been able to form really strong, consistent habits? Because I see on your Instagram and Sandra is so fun to follow on Instagram because you're working out, you're eating healthy, you're given tips, like it's just a fun account. Um, but any tips for how you've been able to stay so consistent in your habits um, and or how these coaches who are listening, if they really want to help their clients gain consistency, any big tips on that? Yeah, it starts small. It starts with one. So uh, and pairing it with a prompt. So for example, what I do is I make coffee every morning and it's a pour, pour over. So as I'm waiting for that, I will do some squats. And it, at first it was just starting it one day, but then I did it the next day and the next day and the next day. And so that's how you build a habit. BJ Fogg writes about this a lot in tiny habits. We use that method in our program. And this is something that people can start. It's like, oh, I can do that. I can do one push up, And so I have worked this routine where no matter what. So I uh, broke my foot uh, about 10 weeks ago. And uh, it was very challenging because I had to wear a boot for six weeks. And mind you, I was used to working out every single day. I do yoga, I do Pilates, I do high intensity interview training a few days a week. And uh, now and I do strength training. So uh, instead of saying, okay, I'm gonna, I can't work out. I immediately Googled upper body, you know, how to work out with a boot. Oh, there's a lot of things I can do. So I said, okay, I turned it into a positive. Okay, I'm going to get the strongest biceps and triceps because I could do those. I could do chest press, for example, and even things like push-ups. So I, I do push-ups every single day, no matter what. And I was able to then say, well, I could do them on my knees, for example, with the boot. That'll be okay. And so not if you have the routine, how can you still do it. I also have a routine every day. This has been going on for like over 15 years, I think 20 now. I do handstands and headstands every day. Well, I couldn't do that with a boot, obviously. Or if I took, I was afraid, I couldn't, you know, if I broke my foot again, that would be disaster. And so 
but I got into the position as if I was going to go. Like I visualized it. I got on my hands and pictured going up in the air and doing that handstand. And so even though I wasn't literally doing it in my imagination, I was doing it and found I was able to get right back as soon as it was safe to do so. And I got the A-OK from the doctor. I was able to get up into that handstand position. So it's, it's daily. It's like brushing your teeth. And particularly because at my age, trips, balance, resistance, particularly lifting heavy weights, it's non-negotiable. And so um, I think about it as something that is mandatory in my life. I love that. Yeah. So there's not a negotiation. It's mandatory. It's a part of who you are. It's worked into every day. It doesn't have to be perfect, meaning every day you're not doing, you know, running a marathon or anything crazy like that, because it's something you can stick with day after day. Um, but I think that's a very good point. And I love the book, Tiny Habits. Um, yes. That's a good one. Yeah. So where can everybody stay connected with you and uh, check you out? Sure. Well, you mentioned Instagram. Uh, my personal is Dr. Sandy. That's D-R-S-A-N-D-I. Uh, FMCA is at Functional Med Coach. You can go to functionalmedicinecoaching.org. Uh, if you have been inspired to become a health coach, we uh, would welcome you into our community. If you are already a coach, we have many people already a coach. They want to learn a deeper dive into positive psychology and learn functional medicine approach to health coaching. Amazing. And I was very lucky to meet a lot of your students doing a guest training on LinkedIn. And they are amazing. They are doing some really amazing things. Um, And so keep up the good work. And uh, for anybody listening to this, just a fun announcement on February 20th, it's a Tuesday, I'm going to be leading a free class with five shifts I would make if I were in your shoes and wanted to get clients as soon as possible, and how to get out of information overload and actually start doing the things. So if you want to check that out, you can go to HaleyRowe.com slash five, uh, five steps, all one word. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for coming, Sandra, today. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. And if it's really helpful for you, I'd really appreciate if you share it and or leave a written podcast review. This tells the podcast sites that our show is useful and it will be promoted to more people that way. Thanks again.